The following audio content is a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org. What a great joy it is to be here. Good morning. It is such a privilege and an honor to be able to come and to celebrate the installation of your new leader in George Hinman and his incredible wife, Anne. He definitely married up. And uh, they're great kids, uh, Harvey and Will and Phoebe. And uh, my lovely wife, Carolyn, is with me. And such an honor to come here and to celebrate this. You know, I, I told the choir, I confessed at the first hour, I have, I'm trying to resist the temptation of having covet not thy brother's choir and pipe organ and to uh, go into this world. But to follow an incredible ministry such as Earl has built. And this is the hundredth year of University Press and your 10th pastor in the year 08. With these kind of numbers and luck, you guys should be in Vegas this morning. I tell you, this is a winning combination. But I know that any time that there is a transition and is uh, we'll come back and celebrate at 5 o'clock with a Presbytery, the installation. And what a moment that always is in your life when God comes and you feel those hands of others praying for you and the, the presence and that joy. And it really is though like an arranged marriage for the congregation and the pastor. Carol and I have had the privilege of having led four large congregations, two of those of which we have started. We're at Bel Air Presbyterian Church right now, and I know it very much like an arranged marriage. Sometimes you don't know who that bride is till they come down and you pull back the veil and just say, Indeed. <laughs> It's as true for the congregation and the pastor as true for the pastor and the congregation. And I knew that when I, George, five years ago, when he and Ann came to Los Angeles, that I had hoped to keep him for four years. And because I could tell that God certainly had his hand upon him. He just had the gift set that I knew that he would be a tremendous senior pastor someday. And I kept him from five and everything was going great. And then your pastor nominating committee called up and uh, I said, well, George has been acquitted, and so you're free to uh, talk to him about that. But, uh, but I just look forward to what God is going to do here. You know, very much like that sense of, of marriage, I think of the old story of the bride who was so nervous that she couldn't walk down. It was just too nervous. And the wedding hostess wisely said, now, honey, you'll be fine. You just look at the aisle, and you just look up at the altar, just walk down and look over at your love. She said, okay, and the music started, and she was so nervous, so she said to herself, aisle, and then she looked at the altar, and then she looked over at him, and she looked at the aisle and the altar, and she came down, and the pastor said, will you have this man? And she blurted out, I'll alter him. <laughs> and very much, when congregations come together, that's in the back of their mind. There is a thrill of starting something new, but there's always questions, and I hope they always do this. I hope they never do this. What is it like? What are we going to do together? The great news is that God is a God who does this a hundred times a day in the United States. The pastors change leadership, and he is very good at what he does. And I say to you, you have done a brilliant thing in extending a call to George Hinman and Ann. And George, i got to say, good call in <laughs> coming up here and to celebrate there's a lot of transitions in Scripture. Life is one transition after the other. Life is all about attachment and loss. Attachment and loss. 
For you to embrace a new era, you have to let go of the old one. And with the joy of a brand new era, there's always the sorrow of letting go. Remember when you went from grade school and you went on up to middle school where you had heard rumors that they didn't have recess and you said, how could there be a God of love? And to do that. And you moved ahead and then from that on to college and after college into the adult world and then to middle life and the pressures of family or of still single and trying to slug it out for the Lord and then into older years and the great transition someday when we stand before eternity. And that we do not go alone, that the same Lord takes us. You look at transitions from David to Solomon. You look at transitions from Elijah to Elisha. You look at transitions, of course, from the risen Christ to his disciples. You look at Paul transitioning into the hands of Timothy. But one of the great transitions comes about in the early Bronze Era. From Moses to Joshua. Moshe to Yeshua. And the greatest leader of the Old Testament dies. God alone knows where he dies. And Joshua is about to take his people. Somebody he never planned on leading. And God reminds them what it really takes for a great transition. For the last chapter that you had with Earl, for the leadership of the Hinman era, is it requires not so much brilliance, though you have a pastor here with an incredible mind. This guy's got a V8 under the hood. I want to tell you that. But... Not so much compassion, though that is needed, but courage. Moral courage in the times that we live. God tells both Joshua and the congregation, have courage to move on. Do not stop. Go across that Jordan. Courage to Joshua, which he says to George. You lead these people to occupy this next chapter. And courage to the congregation. You let me lead through Joshua. Of course, Joshua is the forename of Jesus. And as we get ready to celebrate, can you believe Advent is coming up in about a week and a half? The celebration that the Creator became a part of the creation and that Jesus, the great liberator, leads us. And in this next chapter, the great things, I can't wait to see what God will do with University Press. If you have your Bible, would you take it and turn with me over to the book of Joshua into the first chapter? I believe it's on page 168 in the Black Pew Bible there. Joshua's courage in both of them to keep moving on. It was Mark Twain who said, nobody likes change but a wet baby. (laughs) And they cry. And the point being that we all like to hold on. Joshua, the context of this, is sitting across the Jordan. They're looking across the Jordan to a land that is very fertile, but it is filled with a culture that is filled with bad boys and girls. They are superior in culture, in technology, and in military. They have tremendously fortified cities. Moses is dead, the one they have listened to for their entire generation. The resume on these people's names says, Children of slaves, wanderers in the desert. That's all they have. And so God gives him and us a word. If you see here in this first chapter in verse 1, it says, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross this Jordan, you and all his people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. 
As I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea in the west, shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, being careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, you be strong and courageous. and Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, of course, it's interesting that God does not give to Moses any details of what he's supposed to do. You would think on one of the greatest invasions in history that God might give them a few ideas of what they're supposed to do. But God just simply tells them, you go, and the strategy you need is to protect your heart from fear. And I think he says to you, University Press, and certainly to you, George, in this overwhelming thing that you're doing, with the great leadership that God has given with Ryan and Kay and Tim Snow and everybody and all the elders, you protect your heart from fear, and I'll take care of the rest. Move on. Do not stop. One of my churches in Denver, an older gentleman who was in the South Pacific that was involved in eight of the island landings of the World War II, he said one of the common things, whether it be from Iwo Jima to Guadalcanal, is that the common refrain from the commanding officers to the troops are, get off the beach. There are two people on the beach, those who are dead and those who are about to die. Get off the beach. But when they're trying to kill you, you want to hunker down and say no. But if you're going to live, you've got to push on. And very often, churches, when we get concerned and frustrated and we don't know and the unknown and new leadership, we want to stop. But God says, keep moving on. He tells those, you cross this Jordan. I know you don't know anything about Joshua. I do. I know he tells Joshua what you know about these people you don't like. But you keep moving across. The Lord had them right where they wanted them. Totally paralyzed, totally afraid, and totally dependent on Him. And they said, get up and get moving. Anytime I drive to Northern California, and if you have, outside of San Francisco, if you're going towards Reno, you go to a place called Donner Pass. Those of you who know the story, the Donners were an extended family coming from the Midwest to the gold fields of California. As they were coming over, a snowstorm hit in late November or late October, a few weeks ago it would have been. The Donner Party convinced the guide to wait until the storm passed. The guide said, we need to keep going and get over this hill. They said, let's wait. It's going to be, it'll be gone. It'll be easier. It snowed 22 feet when it quit. Record snowfall in California. And they were stuck, and as you know, the way that those that survived through that horrific winter was they resorted to cannibalism and eating their dead. All because they stopped. And I have seen time and time again in churches, and so have you, 
When people get stuck and they say, let's wait till it's easier, as soon as it gets easier and we're not stuck so much and we have a better opportunity, when it's not an economy like this, when it's not, when we don't understand new things, then we'll push on. The way they survive is they turn and cannibalize each other. People start eating each other. Isn't that a disgusting illustration? Okay, let's move ahead here. (laughs) You get the point. And so we have to keep moving on. Everywhere you go, he says, as he says to you, George, purpose isn't just a raiding party into a new chapter and to trace back, but you go and occupy the new dreams and the new things that God is doing, always standing on what has happened. On all for a century, the great men and women who have been here, the great leaders and pastors that you have had and elders and congregants and the impact on this university and this great city of Seattle. But I want to do a new thing. And you'll be strong in the strength of the Lord. I will never forsake you, he said. Interesting, that Hebrew word forsake is like something on the back of a wagon that falls off and left on the side of the road. Forgotten is what the word means. And God says, I will never forget you. I won't go, oh, that's right, University Press. Oh, Hinman, don't I know that guy? He said, I am with you and I am guiding you. You be strong and very courageous in the strength of the Lord. Isaac Newton said, a body remains at rest unless acted upon by an outside force. And congregations remain at rest unless acted upon by a greater force, that being the Spirit of God through the risen Christ saying, let's move on to the next chapter. It is fascinating to me that God moves them into a place and the courage for Joshua to take them. Four times, notice he says, you be very strong and you be very courageous because I am the one that is guiding and leading you. It's one thing to go from a nomadic life to a settled life. It's not just the battle they have militarily in front of them. And God reminds them, when you eat fruit off of trees that you didn't plant, And you harvest fields that you didn't plant. I, the Lord your God, gave that to you. And you and I, very often, when we forget that you have a church like this and a ministry like this and friends like this and a nation like this, and that's because we're so neat and well-deserving. But we stand on the shoulders of others and the baton has been passed to us. And sometimes it's easier, is it not, to run on to the next level of life? Sometimes it's easier, I know, to go from relationship to relationship rather than having to work it out. Sometimes it's easier to say, God, I want to take a new job or I want a new set of friends. I often, very often said, Lord, do I have to keep these children? They said, yes, Mark, they're yours. Um, (laughs) And very often it's sometimes tough that our roots have to go deep. So for the Israelites to go from nomadic to settled was a whole new thing for them. And God said in the midst of this that I likewise am with you in guiding and leading you. By the way, we need to comment that it looks like there's this force coming in and why would God drive out these sweet loving Canaanite people and take over it looks like kind of some of what some of the United States did to some of the peace loving Native Americans the Cherokee and others and we need so to repent of by the way all the Native Americans and I know this from many of my Indian friends and then the new word now is Indian again or in American Indian we're not peace loving the Blackfoot and the Sioux and things the Indian wars they were slaughtering each other as much The Canaanites were bad boys and girls. They were offering their children, burning them alive to the god Moloch. God said, you will not be like them. He even says later, I have warned them. When we invaded Germany to get rid of Nazi Germany, it wasn't because Nazi Germany was such a good culture. 
Some of the invasion in Afghanistan with the oppression of extreme Islamists and Sharia law and the Taliban, it's not because they're such a great people. It's for the sake of freeing. And God likewise said, I told the Canaanites, if they come along, they can, but I'm sending you in. And you go in, you be careful to be loving in the way that you extend my way. As you guys get ready to go into Seattle, which you already have done, and as George is saying, there's a difference between evangelizing a city and congregationalizing it. If you evangelize and everybody comes to Christ one weekend, which would be fabulous, wouldn't it? But you're going to need to do that again in four and a half years if you don't start congregations and people to disciple them. It's through relationships. And so as you help and as ministries working together and on campus as well as in the boardrooms and in the playing fields and the sports arenas and the restaurants and the bars, wherever God has you, that you go and that you bring salt and light. And that's, you're very much going into a Canaanite situation. We're crossing the Jordan. The America of 1990 is not the America you're in just 18 years ago. This is a whole different ballgame out there. And that's why God says you be very strong and do not be afraid. Sometimes we like the way it is. When Carolyn and I took a church in Detroit, I followed a pastor who had been there 39 years uh, at Ward Presbyterian. Great church. Dr. Bart Hess, wonderful man. And on our installation Sunday, I'll never forget this older lady came up and she said, she was on the call committee for Dr. Hess 40 years before. And she said, I've seen him come and I've seen him go. And she walked away. <laughs> I just said, Lord, bless her and keep her very far from here and wherever you take her. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to change and we get stuck. Some little towns of eastern Colorado that I grew up, my father was a pastor there, the apple orchards, which I'm sure they do in the great apple orchards here in Washington, is that sometimes they get something called root lock. That the tree, there's nothing matter with the soil or the water, but the roots intertwine and lock on themselves. They grow in on themselves. And the high-tech way a farmer resolves that is he takes a tamping bar and he puts a hole down and he drops a quarter of a stick of dynamite and bam, blows those roots. Not to kill it, but to break them up and to give such shock that now that they can grow down healthy again. Sometimes in churches and individually in our lives, God will drop a little dynamite, bang. Not because he's mad, because he loves. Grow or die, Aquinas said. Nothing stays the same. C.S. Lewis said it's hard for a bird to hatch. It's much harder for an egg to fly. (laughs) And God has called you and I not to stay where we are, but to move ahead. Is why this change and transition. You be strong and you move across the Jordan. To Joshua, you be strong and you lead these people. and You lay down your life for them. And George, by the way, is not a servant of the individual. He's a servant of the mission. You come and you guide and you lead in this way because someday he's going to ask, how much more have they grown in my image because they were under your ministry? And surprise, he's going to ask the same thing of you. How much more have these people next to you grown in their love and joy and peace and patience? And how much more has this pastor and his family and his wife grown because I loaned them to you, to each other? in this marriage of coming together for this fresh new chapter. The reward was always, and it always is, not what we get. It's who we become. Everything you have ever gotten in life, I promise you, is going to pass away. But who we are is what lasts into eternity. 
And God does this with congregations. They are living, breathing things. And so he says not only to Joshua be courageous, he says to the people, and you'll see this time and time again, the first paddle after Jericho, he'll say, you let me lead through Joshua. That's why he says Moses is dead. Not because he was dissing Moses, but because the people wanted to stop at that point. And remember, nobody knows where Moses died. In the end of the Torah, the Deuteronomy, and the Tanakh, as our Hebrew friends say of the Old Testament, the God himself buried him. And so he reminds them. And of course, Moses represents the old law. And Joshua, whose namesake Yeshua, Jesus, represents going into the promised land. And he's foreshadowing what Christ himself will do. The courage to let the Lord lead. To live an alternative life to the world that you and I live in. Oh my goodness. You and I are living in... This is a great time to be alive. The world is nuts. Is it not? I mean, it is just falling apart. And what a time. This is when God does His best work. He waits for these moments. For His church to stand up and say, Let me show you what love is about. Let me show you what hope is about. Let me show you what a class act is about. And it can't happen until it's nutty. And right now we live in a time of moral anarchy. Discussion took place, I was just a couple weeks ago, met with someone by the name of Cornelius Becker, a South African professor and theologian. We were talking about the anarchy of today when he visits, he's a visiting lecturer right now in Oxford and other places about students trying to say, what is life all about? Richard Dawkins came out and said, quote, Science and the measurable physics is all that there really is. The idea of a moral universe is an illusion. Science cannot tell you right or wrong. Science only tells you what is. It is up to the individual to choose what is right or wrong in his or her self. DNA is all there is to be a human with a, listen to this, a blind, pitiless indifference. DNA is the orchestra maestro and we dance to its tune, unquote. That's why you have somebody this last week, that young man in, Af- in Florida who a young African-American who said online that he was going to kill himself. And so he live broadcast online his own death. And the four weeks before, there were some that emailed saying, don't do this. But there were others that taunted him on and said, do it. And he killed himself last week live for others to see. And now the fear is of the copycatting. This moral anarchy that you and I live in, rather than despairing, is a time to say, no, there is I am the way and the truth and the life. You and I live in a culture that believes there's no such thing as truth. Well, give it to them. Say, I can show you a better way and a better life. And that happens to be the truth in Jesus Christ. And as we move into this next place, the great transition of God himself into that son, Jesus Christ, who walks among us, lives the life that we live goes to the cross, pays for the bill that you and I owe, blows out of that tomb Easter morning, walks, shows himself alive, ascends the glory and says, I am coming back. And the great transition now as he gives to you and me, and we are alive for this limited quick journey on life. And doesn't life go fast? I love aging. Other than looking and feeling horrible, (laughs) you get to see how true life is. I like to say, when you're 40 years old, and I'm 54, you know, when you bend over to tie your shoes, you think, is there anything else I need as long as I'm down here? You know, uh, <laughs> might be a while. 
But as, as God calls us through these transitions and changes, He says, here's the real surprise. Now I give the ministry to you. And you did not call George to do the ministry. Not in good Reformed theology or biblical. His job is to lay down the track for you to do your ministry. The Holy Spirit has gifted and empowered you to do what He wants. Because that's the way He does things best. And this someday in real transition when the glory, when Christ will return. And He might someday, you know, the last person that gives their life to the Lord is going to take place. And the Father is going to say to the Son, It's time, go get Him. And then the real adventure will begin when He returns. But until then, He might come back for any of us to whisper into our ear, the last morning we'll put on our socks before we stand in glory. Do not be afraid. Don't flip out. The world's way is winning question, winning doubt, running circles, screaming shouts. Don't be like them. I am with you. I am with you. One of my favorite stories of the Reformation, Nicholas Ridley in 1555, someone who was arrested for the heresy of saying that you are saved by sola fide, by faith alone. You are not saved by works through the church. You are saved by grace. He was arrested and condemned as a heretic and to be burned at the stake. And as he would not recant, they didn't want to kill him. He was a brilliant mind, a great heart. They said, just knock it off. He said, I can't. They said, then you will die. And that night when his family came to see him, the last night it's supposedly told when he came, they could not come into the cell, of course. He was chained, but he stayed with them. And they wanted to stay with him to the very morning. And in the middle of the night, he said, you know, I need to get some sleep. And they said, why? He said, I have a big day tomorrow. And they said, what do you mean? And he said, tomorrow night, I dine with the king. And he did. How do you get that peace and that love and that hope? Because he knew Christ before that. George, I say to you, you be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And to you at University Press, I say, you be courageous. Do not be afraid. Because as Jesus Christ said, the one who said to his disciples, you will all desert me and leave me alone. They said, we never will. He said, yes, you will. But I'm not alone because the Father is with me. And that's why he is the one who says to us, I will never do that to you. I will Never, never forsake you. I will never leave you alone. Is God asking you to move on? Maybe we don't want to, to take it to the next chapter somewhere in your life, or certainly as a congregation, you cross that Jordan. Is God maybe asking you to settle your roots down? And you say, but I don't like it here. And God says, well, you make him go a little deeper in that job or ministry or relationship or whatever he has. But above all, God is saying, You be strong and do not be afraid. I am always with you. Let's pray, shall we? God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, how we thank you that you have loved us and called us to be yours. And God, I celebrate as George and Ann, God, continue here and to wed to this incredible congregation known, Lord, throughout this nation and throughout the world for standing for you. And God, I believe you are just warming up in the great things that you will do. 
Lord, I pray as they're both on a learning curve, getting to know each other in this dance of ministry together, that, God, that your peace and that your power would be there. And so, Lord, we commit them into your hands, and we expect you to do great things in this city, God. May this become a city that is on fire for you. And, Lord, we pray now that you who have given us so much, you would give us your presence and your peace. And one another thing, Lord, Maranatha, send him back soon. For his sake, we pray. Amen. All University Presbyterian Church online audio is available on both CD and cassette. If you would like to support the mission of UPC by ordering copies of sermons or classes, please visit www.upc.org forward slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.